Hey everybody, it's a Never Heard of a Podcast. I'm Sean Harwell. This is a show where we talk about the movies that have fallen through our cracks. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, all the other holidays you could possibly think of. I hope you're enjoying some time off, some time with your family, wherever you are. I hope you'll enjoy the special surprise my co-host has in store via his throat. So say hello, Craig Moorhead, if you can. Hello, Craig Moorhead, if you can. That's right. It's Craig Moorhead coming at you, quiet storm style. Craig, how are you? I don't think you're just doing that for fun, apparently, right? No, if I could do that at will, uh, that's how I would talk all the time. That would oh, for be sure. my voice. No, Sean, I, I, I contracted a bit of a cold because I had to go to an office to do work, which I think I do not recommend that anyone do that ever. Those places are like toilet seats. You're just begging to get sick. And I did, but uh, I think I'm I think I'm getting better. So all I got left now is this sultry voice. What's well, nice? It's like it took something from you, but then gave you a gift in return. Exactly. All part of our Christmas plan. It is. How are you doing, Sean? I'm very good. I don't really have much else to add to that. I'm just good. Good. Good is good. Yeah. It's my daughter's birthday tomorrow, which yeah. will be the twentieth of December of this recording. So we get that to look forward to, and then just, yeah, four days of insanity until the big day. Yeah. Before I forget to mention this, we, as we did last year, are going to take a little break through January. So if you're listening to this and you're not all caught up, maybe go check out some of those past episodes. Maybe go check out some other things mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. could be podcast related sure. or not. Just watch some movies. Do whatever you, you got to do with some extra f- free time on your hands now. Do what you do. But Craig... Yeah, Sean. We're going to wrap it up with Black Christmas, our full discussion today. Before we get into that, why don't you quickly point people to where they could go and uh, say hello to us online if they'd like to do so before the end of the year. Gladly, Sean. Hey, everybody. This podcast has a website called NeverHeardPodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter, on Facebook, Instagram, and just about everywhere fine internets are sold. Just look up Never Heard of It Podcast and look for the one specifically with Sean and Craig, not the other one that's not real. Yep. And uh, and you'll be just fine. Drop us a line. Let us know how you're doing. Uh, shout out some suggestions. I just got a suggestion today. Oh, really? That's right. Is it Christmas with the Cranks? We're getting ready. It's Christmas with the Cranks. Sweet. Tim Allen. Majesty. It feels like I'm talking to Batman, like I'm Robin right now. That's what it yeah. feels like. This is great. Yeah, except it's kind of a laid-back Batman. It is. Yeah, you're not as uptight not, as, no. say, Lego Batman. Yeah. No, no, I dealt with my problems. Yeah, yeah, I'm all right with it. You're not a billionaire, so you don't have those problems. No, more money, more problems, Sean. Uh, and believe me, that's the truth. That's actually uh, that register where I talk there is is yeah. the most comfortable register to talk in at right now. Like when I bring it up, yeah, it's like I'm straining to get up here. But if I take it down here, it's, oh, man. Let me tell you a little story about myself here for a second. Yeah. Go for it. So I had that like massive cold last month, right? Mm-hmm. People remember we, I think we even missed an entire episode because I, I just lost my voice all but entirely. Yeah. Since it's come back, I've found that, yeah, I've been unable, and this is weeks now, I've really been 
pretty much unable to do sort of this falsetto voice that I was really relying heavily on when I played with my daughter and <laughs> I was forced to do the voices of all 12 Disney princess toy oh, dolls man. that she has. That's tough. Now they all more or less sound the same right? and they have attitude, but uh, I can't really do it. And fortunately she's given me a break on that. I don't know if it's going to come back. I don't know. They may just have to talk like dudes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, First of all, she's very, that's a very forgiving child. Hats off. I mean, I've been doing this for like three years solid now. So, oh, uh, yeah, no, no doubt. Yeah. yeah, Well, yeah, this this time of year is big for sing alongs in the car. And like, you know, like the kids are really into Felice Navidad and 12 Days Mm -hmm. of Christmas. And uh, I I can't hit anything. I'm sorry. I can't hit a single note. So it's, it's, yeah, it's been very trying. You got to get them into that slow jam Christmas, you know. Well, that's yeah, that's what I'm trying. That's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> I tried to figure out if there was like a Barry White Christmas album. There's gotta I was like, be this. I can definitely do. Somebody out there has done something of the sort. <laughs> Has to. Has to. Well, this wraps up our segment of voice talk, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we'll leave it at that. But hey, Craig, quickly. Yeah. What else you seen? Well, I'll tell you, Sean, the movie that I watched, did I only watch one movie since then? I guess so. Uh, It's only been a week, so that's forgivable. Fair enough. We sat down and watched uh, The Christmas Chronicles with the kids. Now, this is the Netflix Kurt Russell Christmas movie. Oh, I saw the trailer for that. Yeah. It's kind of fun. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. It it was better than I expected it to be. I, I kind of expected it to be around the level of, let's say... Santa snow Claus? buddies, Santa buddies, snow buddies, those snow buddies. Okay. So, <laughs> well, cause, cause yeah. Cause like, uh, grace, uh, the youngest has really gotten into any movie about puppies. And those movies are just, they're not built for anyone, but small children who are into puppies. Right. And that's kind of what I thought we were in for here. Now I don't have any idea why it was called the Christmas Chronicles. Cause it kind of makes okay. it sound like it's going to be like a series or something. Yeah. Well, true. But, I mean, it's it definitely had a, a great... Honestly, it, it it had, like, a very cool, like, kids' adventure movie feel to it without, uh-huh. like, resorting to, like, trying to make it all feel like it's the 80s or something. Like, it yeah. was just... It, it was it was a lot of fun. So, it's it, well, it, it wasn't yeah. all brilliant, but, like, I was very uh, impressed by the amount of, I guess, action that was going on in the nice. movie. It was, it was pretty cool. Well, Kurt Russell looked like he sure was having fun. Oh yeah, in that trailer. So like he looks fantastic, and yeah. What about you, Sean? I had a a movie mission, as you'll recall. Oh yeah. When we oh yeah. Recorded last. How'd and, that go? Ah, uh, came so close. <laughs> came so close. Did, uh, I finished Black Panther. Yeah. I know. I finished Black Christmas. Obviously. Well, that's good because we're talking about it today. Right. And I'm halfway through Black Klansman, the Spike Lee joint. Oh, man. So uh, I'm really, that. really enjoying that one thus yeah. far. And uh, the lead actor is phenomenal. Adam Driver's great. Yeah. Various people in that that look familiar, whose names I don't remember, are, sure. are all giving good performances. And uh, I'm psyched to, to finish it up here. Black Panther, I won't spend too much time nitpicking it because like, it literally does not matter 
what I think about this movie at this point. Sure. <laughs> that it took me this long to watch it and the billions that it has raked in. But I, I was kind of disappointed given all the hype, I guess. Mm-hmm. I think for me, the biggest thing was, once again, the villain. I think they got real close. I love Michael B. Jordan. I love the way he looks. I like the mythology of this whole movie and like the setting and all of that stuff. Yeah. There was something about him in that role that just, it didn't, like his line readings didn't work for me for some Interesting. reason. Interesting. I like what his bad guy like plan is. Uh-huh. I mean, that's really interesting. He wants to arm the oppressed, basically, right? Yeah. But damn, I really wish he had gotten a chance to at least do that to a small degree, right? Because I felt like that didn't happen. Like he, right? He kind of assumed the throne. Yeah. But, and then the whole object of the movie is to stop him from doing that. Yeah, exactly. So he never and, gets but there. like, usually they at least like, you know, they, they blow up like something. You know? Sure. <laughs> and then they get stopped before the ultimate plan. But like, I felt like, yeah, he just, he didn't really get, I don't know. I wanted to see what that would like the early stages of that would look like. Yeah. It felt like it took a while to get going. Like I could have done without an hour of setup and Andy, whatever Andy Circus's purpose was in that movie. Like he didn't, he didn't do it for me in this one. <laughs> like, and just more into, yeah, these two guys, like, because that is a really interesting sort of dichotomy that they set up there. I just yeah. wasn't fully realized for me. That is interesting. And, and you know, it, it is interesting to me how, Something like that really can come down to line readings. Yeah. And not to segue too early into our movie tonight, but that is something that I, I had a problem with with this movie. Interesting. In in my early viewings. Okay. Um and, and we can yeah, get we'll into get that. that. But but it is interesting because yeah, like I like I, I don't I don't agree with you in terms of Black Panther, but sure. I get it. I hundred percent don't get like it. I said. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I fully get it. Yeah. But like I'm that wrong. that's happened to me with beloved movies where I'm just like this. I, like I can't stand. It. Like I, it's just it really is just like the cadence of what's happening when this person is talking. Like yeah, does and not I connect like with me. Like I like I like the actor for sure. sure. Yeah, exactly. yeah it's just something about it didn't quite gel. For well, me. and Andy oh, Circus too. Like Andy Circus's yeah. character is like nuts. But it felt like a brand of nuts I've seen before. I was going to say a brand of nuts I've eaten before, but that would sound gross. Yeah, well, we can save that for another podcast. Just the tattooed, laughing bad guy. I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, he, he he did seem a little stereotypically bad. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, you know, you got to have those things. I you get do. it. It's part, of, uh, do. it's part of the world. It's part of the template. Got to do it. So I think this is one of those movies where I'm more excited about a sequel, actually. You know, yeah. A lot of times, I feel like uh, like the origin story is like that's where the juice is, right? Right. This one, I kind of feel like you know, actually, no. I, I'm really, I'm, I'm a bit more interested to see what the, what they'll do next in the next one. I think that's that interesting. Now that they've done all that legwork, so yeah. yeah. Well, I, I gotta say, at the end of that one, I was disappointed that they killed the bad guy. Yeah. And and maybe maybe there's room to bring him back. I mean, come on, it's superheroes. Well, yeah, they killed but, Black Panther. Yeah, they killed everybody. <laughs> yeah. Uh, spoiler alert, but uh. Yeah, that that kind of actually like leaving that kind of made me less excited about a sequel, because I was like, because I because I was just like that was as far as having like a good villain who is really diametrically opposed to your hero, but also has something that he's trying to do and it makes sense. Yeah, and a backstory like, that's oh, connected to that world. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, interesting. It was yeah, it was interesting stuff. It just uh, I don't know. I was expecting a different turn there for some reason. Well, yeah, I mean, you're, and you're watching that under tons of hype, so. 
That, that never well, and that, well, at this point, the, the hype, it's, I mean, it's been months. So exactly. there was enough time for it to die down. So it's still on me, I think, to not get like caught up in that first initial wave. I don't know, uh, I don't know how you do it. Well, real quickly, Quag. Real oh, quickly, Quag. <laughs> uh, before we, we just jump into this, you know, again, thanks to everybody for listening. I hope everybody's digging the format we did for this season. It works real well for us to do like the tee up and then uh, a hammer at home in a, in a full discussion. I was curious, Craig, and mm. I won't put you right on the spot initially. Maybe I'll give my answer. But mm-hmm. if you had a favorite movie from our second season here that you watched or a big surprise or just something that excited you a lot, mm-hmm. I still think very fondly on our discussion with uh, Andrew Bentler about Big Man on Campus. I thought that was really interesting to talk that about. That was cool. Uh, you know, what he's doing to kind of keep that movie alive and how some movies just kind of, yeah, they do fall through the cracks that don't, doesn't even make sense because they're, they're, they seem like they're just as competent as other movies. Sure. My answer is kind of cheating because, well, I don't know, it, it's maybe the, the thing that should be my answer, I guess, right. if you're looking at it from a film history standpoint, but to be or not to be really, really worked for me and it was just so much fun to watch that movie and it had so much more weight than I was expecting given like what we learned going into it from some of the critics. Sure. So I think that's my pick from season two. If you ha- if you have not got around to watching that damn movie, you gotta see that movie. And then if you want to just have some straight up fun, uh, watch the movie that Peter Fudak suggested, Forbidden World, the Roger Corman thing. Uh, that was a blast. I mean, that movie oh, yeah. is... Bon- bonkers ridiculous in all the right ways i think so yeah those are my picks i like that i i would say to be or not to be but like i've seen it before that feels that yeah, does feel a little bit was... like cheating and uh but man we, we watched a lot of really good stuff you know battles without honor and humanity really stood out yeah that was uh, a good one johnny guitar i really liked uh, so good i mean secret secret honor like uh, a lot of good stuff but yeah. i would say probably my favorite of all of these i had not seen before was the cars that ate Paris. Yeah, that was a fun one. Like that was one I'd heard about for a long time and it it pretty much lived up to what I yeah, wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. That was pretty cool. And I got to say like not to pick on anything, especially since <laughs> this person's long been dead, but I was disappointed by College, the Buster Keaton movie. You know, I yeah. want to go watch more of his stuff cuz mm-hmm. I, I feel like that might have been a lesser one in the oeuvre. Oh man, of, no. of his He's uh, got quite movie. an oeuvre. Yeah. Check it all out. Again, thanks for joining us along the journey. And now, let's talk Black Christmas. Black Christmas. Craig, yeah. you've seen this movie many times. You were excited to watch it again. We're in the season right yeah. here uh, of watching yeah. it. You've got your fancy Blu-ray. What'd you think watching it again this time specifically uh, for this podcast and then around all this discussion that we've done about it and, and learning even more about this, this movie that you've held in high regard for years? Well, what's interesting about this movie is I have not watched it enough to even come close to being tired of it. Yeah. 
And so that's good. There's always that feeling with me. Like, I love to rewatch stuff. But, like, there's always... I feel like with a lot of movies, especially ones you watch a lot, <clears throat> there's always the one viewing where you're like, ah, well, that one... <laughs> that didn't feel quite as fun that yeah. time. You know? Like, it's starting to kind of fall off the cliff. Yeah. I hate yeah. I hate that feeling. But I got to say, no. Like, the, this one is still firmly in the territory of... Like, I'm still noticing stuff that I didn't notice before. And especially watching it on Blu-ray, because I've never seen it this nice. Mm-hmm. So I came away liking it more than I ever have. You know, even even for the stuff, like, I still remember watching it. I still remember the stuff the first time I watched it where I was like, well, that's not that great. And that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I don't know. This This time I was just totally in the groove with it. What about you? Well, let me ask you real quick. Do you recall seeing it for the first time? Did you see it at a point where you had already heard a lot about it or was it just kind of like randomly stumbling upon it? I had heard a lot about it because I read a lot of Fangoria. Uh, right. Yeah. And, but I like, I didn't know anything about it other than some images from it. So I didn't really know what the story was necessarily outside of, you know, it's, it's essentially a slasher movie. Like that's an easy concept to understand. And, yeah. So no, I, I didn't go in really knowing a ton about it. By the time I watched Black Christmas, like I definitely was familiar with Porky's and Christmas Story and all that yeah. stuff. But I know that when I watched it the first time, I wasn't thinking about the fact that this guy is the guy who directed those movies. <laughs> so yeah, so so I've, yeah, I've definitely like learned more and more over time, especially over this past three or two episodes, right? Oh man, never learned more in my life. I know you're about done with it, right? About anything, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Craig, I love this movie. I thought it was great. Awesome. Just, uh, you know, I have a lot to say about it, and it's really like 99% positive. I mean, I got confused a little bit with just how they, they're stretching time sometimes when mm-hmm. within this big house, people sort of go off to their rooms and everything. And I'm like, wait, how long has it been since this person was in a room? Why aren't they involved yeah. in the story? But no, on the whole, it just, to me, it, it has that that thing to it that is kind of hard to define. You know, it's like beyond tone. It's just where everything kind of comes together. It's, you know, yeah. story, performance, tone, and style. And, you know, maybe that last one is, is indeed the biggest surprise to me, and yet the thing that makes me go, God, have I just been wrong about Christmas Story all these years? Like, I, there's uh-huh. such a good fingerprint on this movie yeah. from where this guy is putting this camera and, and the, the yeah. choices he makes throughout are just really, really strong for this material. And yeah, I, I mean, holy cow, Bob Clark. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. You're, I, you were right in that watching it, it did make sense to me then that this is the guy that made Porky's and A Christmas Story. Sure. Like that those bits of humor that come through are so well done and nice and they feel, they just feel kind of dirty, like in the way that, that sure. A Christmas yeah. Story has like a dirtiness to it. Like even though it's a sweet family movie, yes. like there's just something like around the edges of that movie that are rough still and crusty, well, you know? Well, and that's the thing. Like, I remember the first time watching Christmas Story, and I remember when, when like, the ratings of movies really meant something to me as a kid, as a viewer. And, I, like, I remember literally having the feeling of, like, this this is a rated R movie. Yeah. And really just from, like, the texture of it. Mm-hmm. Like, it was like, this is rated R. It just feels like a rated R movie for some reason. I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. Like, And I, I like to think that partially it's a fact, and this is why I like Black Christmas and... And I mean, ah, heck, I like Porky's too. 
there is a little bit of a sense of of maybe maybe just danger yeah. just like yeah yeah like like this could go off the rails uh-huh. you know I, I don't know like it's it's not completely paint by numbers and and i like that right and it feels like this does feel very 70s and yet mm-hmm. it holds up and it doesn't have like a ton of fat on it you know it still feels no. true to form as far as being just a solid entertaining genre pick right yeah like it has that extra thing to it from that era that just yeah it's, it like feels that you can't make a movie that looks like this anymore because of yeah. the way that equipment has changed like it just you're, there's something that's impossible yeah. about it well, your dp would be fine yeah uh, which is sad. Yeah, I can't see every corner of the room. Yeah, yeah like. because it works so well and it looks so good. And that's like one of my very first notes was just a the title font is amazing. Like it just looks great. Like it looks, yeah, it looks Christmassy. And at the same time, like it made me think of like a place you want to go and eat pretzels. Like if that was on a sign, <laughs> like if you saw that. I, I love Tudor houses, yeah. man. I love that shit. Yeah, like if yeah. that if that was house was like a pretzel shop, I'd be all about it. But then. Yeah, you know, you got Christmas lights everywhere, and they're all just kind of blown out, and they just give this weird yeah. glow to the whole thing. It just looks, it looks cool, and it looks. I'm sure a lot of it has to do with the product of of our era and when we're born, but it it just something about it just looks like a movie, you know, like it feels like yeah. a movie. Yeah, like you're saying, like I love the title font, I love the way all that stuff looks, and I feel like if you made a movie like that right now, that all that stuff would just feel very precious, right? You know, look at me, I'm making a 1974 movie. Like, yeah, it's interesting how, how you know, this can be done this way and it still holds up like that, but it, it feels lighter than a movie would made right now that looks like that because you you just feel them trying so hard today right? to make it look, you know what I mean? Whereas yeah. this one just kind of, it rolls right off the line. It's like light on its feet, but it still has these great tangents that it goes Yeah, on. absolutely. Like yeah. It's, not, it's not just like... It's not like it's some 80-minute movie of just like, just follow this one person. Like, No. I don't know. It kind of fleshes a lot of people out. Yeah. Really there's surprising. It's a nice ensemble cast. And I want to talk about Shudder for a second because you were talking about, yeah. you know, if you were trying to make this today, it would, it would have like a preciousness to it. A, this movie is streaming on Shudder. Mm-hmm. B, I, I'm loving Shudder. I did the free trial. Oh, and yeah. if you look, Google like 60-day trial Reddit for shutter on you know on your computer webs and you can find yeah. like a code for a, a free 60-day trial they've got black christmas they got halloween they got but they have mandy and they have a ton of other stuff too yeah they've also got what looks to be it says a shutter exclusive i don't know if it's something that was made uh, as like original content for their site or not i'm not sure but they've got something from 2017 called better watch out the poster artwork is 100% Black Christmas inspired. So, oh yeah, it looks perhaps like it's about siblings or no babysitter, and it is a home invasion horror thing. So that might be worth checking out to see exactly what you're talking about. Like if you try to put that sort of aesthetic into practice today. Yeah. And then the last thing I'll say about Shutter, they do something I didn't know they did that I've I was thinking about this like three years ago to the point where I almost said something to an executive at Amazon, but then you know thought way better of it because I was like, who the hell am I? Like these people don't that's not their job is to work on the actual like website of yeah. Amazon Prime, but they have a TV feature, and I don't mean they're just like showing shows that 
like when you open the app on Apple TV, something is immediately playing. Like you join it in the middle. <laughs> Like you're watching TV. Oh, like, wow. I'll be darned, Craig. I turned it on and Black Christmas was on. I was like, oh, uh, crap. Like, you know, because it was like in the middle of the movie. <laughs> but I was like, this is amazing. Uh-huh. And they have like three different streams going on consecutively. And so like you swipe to the left and they had freaking uh, Peter Greenaway movie. Yeah. And I was like, what? And <laughs> then they had Chud was playing, which I didn't Chud. realize Daniel Stern was in. But yeah, he's in. So Chud, yeah. Really impressed by Shudder. I think they also have all of the uh, new battles or battles without honor and humanity films streaming up there right now. So, wow, big thumbs up to that. Check it out. Now, back to whatever the the heck we're talking about. I think let's do the synopsis again, real quick, just so, yeah, if you didn't get it in the previous episodes, you'll know exactly what this movie is about if you haven't seen it yet. So, it's real simple. During the Christmas break, a group of sorority girls are stalked by a stranger. Uh, That's from IMDb. It's slightly more complicated than that, and that they've been receiving very obscene phone calls, and you warned me about that, (laughs) and that there was some censoring done, uh, at least in the UK, because of those phone calls. And I would say that was warranted. I can understand why they would have blushed at that. And I think that this is actually important, and one of the things I, I noted watching the movie was the first time the phone rings, and I think maybe Margot Kidder picks it up. I can't remember. Maybe it was uh, Olivia Hussey who plays Jess. They quickly announced to the rest of the, the house there, quiet, it's him again, the moaner. I was just thinking about like how important it is that they said again, like that this has already been happening, yeah. you know? And that's always like one of those things like where you, if you're just sitting down with like a blank page, like when the hell do you start your story? You know, like at what point in these characters' situation or life? And that's always like that's always a good decision, I think, when something's already been going on, especially like in this. Yeah. I mean, you just immediately get the impression that these calls are no joke. Like I would be yeah. calling the police too if I was <laughs> getting this phone call. The voicing which we talked about, the acting that was done by like three different people, yeah. it just sounds awful. It sounds disgusting. Like it is <laughs> It's just like hard to listen to. Oh, yeah. And the stuff they're yeah. saying is awful and obscene. I mean, that's set, that sets mood. It definitely sets a mood. It definitely does. Yeah. Especially, I think, for the time, right? Absolutely. And, and, and I think uh, a part of it that I really, something that I really like about it is that it also kind of walks right up to that line of almost being funny. Yeah. It's sort of so over the top, but somehow... To me, at least, it never it never goes over. Like it just it sounds like someone whose whose mind is just coming apart. Yeah. First, it just sounds like gibberish, but the more you listen to it, the more you start start to hear like kind of what's going on in that head, and like, oof, man. Well, and um, for my first viewing, I thought it was more than one person because yeah. there's like conversation happening between what sounds like a mother and son, but it's so yeah. pained. I mean, you're you're 100% right. Like it, it doesn't cross that line, and that's a that's a tricky thing to pull off, I think, because yeah. some of it is so lewd, and you get Margot Kidder responding to it with some very funny like put downs, yeah. you know. And so it it's it is kind of asking you to to laugh at this, but it's more to laugh at what she's saying than like what they're hearing because it does sort yeah. of. It just sits in a place that makes you feel unwell. I don't know. <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> there was a, a line that I wanted to ask you about. 
that Margot Kidder says, and it comes up in conversation. I, there's, I don't know, what do you think? Like seven or eight uh, women that live in this sorority house, right? And then there's like the mama hen played by uh, Mary Wal- Marion Waldman, excuse me, plays Mrs. Mack, who's sort of like mm-hmm. in charge of the house. She's the uh, oh damn it, facts of life. I just blanked on. The- uh yeah mrs garrett she's the mrs garrett garrett yeah okay yeah mrs garrett of this house if you will and if you're old right they have the phone call and there's a conversation and you know some of the girls think they shouldn't be joking about this and margo kidder should not be egging this guy on and there's a conversation about like a girl who i think was raped in the town earlier that year recently and margo kidder says something about how she knew that girl is like darling you can't rape a townie (laughs) Right. I was like, what? Whoa. It's like, whoa. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I guess I know what, what she means by that or what she's suggesting. Right. But damn, that's that's kind of it's kind of harsh. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not a way that you set up your most sympathetic character. No. And neither you know? is she supposed to be, I don't think. Although. No. You know, we have moments where we feel sorry for her. And in fact. Yeah. I think that's how the movie begins, isn't it? Where she takes a phone call and it's her mother and there's like, they're making plans. Like this is all again happening right before they leave for Christmas break. Right. Margot Kidder is saying, does somebody want to come skiing with me? And you can kind of tell that people are a little hesitant to say yes, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Although some of the girls do, certainly. They're, they're nice. Yep. So I don't know. It just builds an interesting dynamic without having to do a lot of exposition because- yeah. I clocked it. We're 12 minutes in when the first murder happens, right? Yeah. What do you think? Is that quick or late for a typical slasher movie? Yeah, for, for slasher movies that come out since Scream came out, that's way too slow. Yeah. Like your first scene has to be an extended sequence of someone getting murdered. <laughs> but that being said, like watching it this time, it did strike me like how quickly you you dive into this movie. Like you're not... Yeah. You're not watching them wake up and have breakfast and, oh, I got to go to my class. And they have like a whole day and then stuff starts. Like, no, they're just, they're there that night. The calls start coming in and you're in it. You feel that fear. I mean, they cut to the POV of the guy. I mean, wait, like three, four minutes in, it feels like. I mean, like, if that, I mean, I think no, it's no, like, no. Yeah, right, at right at the beginning. It's right, yeah. right, right at the beginning. Like you don't even get inside the house before you see his POV. Yeah. And those shots so, are crazy, by the way. I mean... Yeah, I know we talked yeah, about they how they did it, but holy cow! Like it, it's funny because they like the handheld nature of it works in a way to make it kind of jarring and more dizzying, and you're yeah. just uncomfortable. But it's like everything is still razor sharp. Like, I, and that's what yeah. I was trying. Like, how do you? I don't know. Some cinematography yeah. nerd, tell me how you maintain focus like that doing doing that kind of shot. I don't know. It seems like it's got to be tough. Exactly. Like, who has an eye on it? When you're shooting that at night. Oh, my God, yeah. And this guy's crawling all over the place. Like, yeah. Yeah, he's getting ready to crawl up the side Uh, of the house. (laughs) It was nuts. But uh, to your point, I I do think, yeah, those phone calls go a long way. And because I was the same way. I was like, it's been 12 minutes. Like, if you were reading it on the script, that would feel like, yeah, kind of like late for an action to kick off. But it it did not feel slow at all watching this movie. And I think it's like, yeah, you got those phone calls. So that definitely like is your entree into the world of of fright and fear, you know, if the POV shots weren't enough. But then, you know, you've got that ensemble and there's just a lot of stuff happening and a lot of talking, which I don't like. That's not that unusual. I do feel like there's plenty of movies that 
to have like a you know that they introduce a lot of characters up front. But yeah, I don't know, something about the way they did it there that was great. But let's talk about that that first murder then for a second because that actually you know if you listen to part two, there's a clip from that scene, and it's one of the girls, Claire, who. I don't know, like she sort of comes off as maybe the most innocent or maybe the most sort of uncomfortable about the phone calls uh, within the group, or at least visually she looks quite uncomfortable. She goes up to her room by herself. There's a cat. So you know she's dead, right? Yeah, (laughs) Uh, yeah. There's cats. They're just, they're they're no good, you know? They shouldn't be around in houses when you're, when you got a horror movie going on. No, no. But we've already seen the guy come in through the attic or no? I mean, we know he's gone up yeah. the side of the house. We, we know he's gone up. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Because I, I think by the time we get to her in her room, we've seen him open that attic door. Yeah. And like, I don't think we saw what, yeah, like his feet actually come down, but like you see that door open. Right, so you know he's in the yeah. house, and then, right. but it's it's constructed so so well. You know, she's yeah. hearing a noise and thinking it's the cat, and sort of talking towards the closet, and they just they pick like the absolute right time to give you the POV again of the guy looking from the closet through the empty garment bag and the transparent yeah. garment bag, and it's just like oh crap, yeah, it's not. This isn't going to be like a drawn out thing where she goes from room to room or something like that. Like, you know, it's, it's coming and it's bad. And, uh, yeah, sure enough. Like she goes towards the closet and is immediately grabbed and, and suffocated with that garment bag. Yeah. After that, again, it's like what he doesn't show you with the camera. That is so damn good because yeah. again, you know, you know, the murders happened and then there's a shot where you just see his shadow and like the cuff of his pants but then the yeah. camera, like you don't cut, you pan and you see like the wall and the attic stairs and uh-huh. it's slow. And then th- there he is and he's going up and now he's leaving. And yeah. uh, man, it's just those shots, like, especially for a movie that, what are we, an hour, 38 minutes. We know it was only yeah. $620,000. So you you don't have the luxury of a long shoot probably. Right. But he held his shots. I mean, God bless. And like, that's not done in coverage, you know? He did. Yeah. And I mean, and, and kept everything so, so dark, like Godfather dark. Yeah. Even when we get to the the police station, which I thought yeah. was kind of funny, mm-hmm. like in the detective, you know, detective uh, <laughs> no section bright, yeah. there, it's like, yeah, there's like, you can barely see anybody, <laughs> but, um, but it is, it's, it's just a lot of dark corners. And yet somehow like it's never, it never feels ponderous. Like it never feels like it's just killing time no and and also the thing about it is i i can't remember anything in it where it seemed like they were pulling punches like there was never like a a big setup and then the cat jumped out of somewhere i was just gonna say not that i can remember i i don't recall like it being used to set up a jump scare i really don't i mean there's a little bit of one with the claire getting killed but you know that's i mean and then and that's it's not a trick you know that is the murder right that's well, exactly. what you're paying for it right right so uh yeah it's it's just great it's a great opening 15 minutes there i think you know when that guy leaves yeah. that house again it's just like oh damn like that's you've experienced something <laughs> yeah you kind of relatively quickly see yeah this other side of bob clark when uh 
Mrs. Mack, you know, she's like getting a bottle of booze out of the book where she's, it's, I mean, it's like got a cutout for the, the shape of the yeah. bottle. And she's got one Which, particular type of bottle that she's a big fan of. Whew. That brings up a good question that I thought this time that I'd never really thought about before. Why is Mrs. Mack hiding booze at all? You know, I wondered that too because she's an adult and they're they're right. of drinking age and they're doing drinking like uh, yeah, a good clearly bit. Margot Kidder is is drinking plenty. Yeah, I think it's because like as it goes on and you find out oh she's got a bottle like tied to a string Just, in the back, you know, in the tank of the toilet or the upper part of the toilet. <laughs> that's true oh yeah it's because she's an she's an alcoholic i mean there's like she's a, a straight, straight alcoholic like, yeah a funny alcoholic and i i think it it what i liked about it was like yeah it doesn't hold your hand in that but if you want to provide your own answer you could easily imagine that these girls maybe have had a conversation with her about her drinking yeah. <laughs> because they really like her a lot and they care a lot about right. her you know and i i should have said that like when claire was killed like well where's the rest of the house they were all downstairs giving Mrs. Mack this like tacky Christmas shirt uh, as, a, yeah. as a gift, and uh, she gets a lot of good play out of that. Oh, and that reminds me uh, that that moment in particular, like uh, Bob Clark, really um, covers his bases. I feel like almost every time, anytime there's a murder, there's something else happening at the exact same time. Yeah, that's like the reason that no one understands that that's what just happened. Well, and beyond that, it it goes a little way to make your killer look like more than just a borderline idiot, yeah. you know? I mean, right. it seems like he's picking his moments to do this. Yeah. So, I don't know. That's always nice, I think. You've got some comedy introduced. Now, it's around this point where I did have my biggest question with the film, and I found myself trying to silence the disbelief critic in my head, which is, mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. long is it going to take them to find this body? Because it does take a while. It takes into the next day. I was confused, Craig, that the body was moved to the attic. I was taking notes, Uh and there's stuff that's just done in a shot. Maybe I missed it. I know we get that great shot of Claire in the attic with the bag on her head, and she's in a rocking chair. I mean, it is such a good shot. It's not a wide shot, so you just like get the sheer impact of seeing that face in that bag. And I just didn't realize that was the attic. And so. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And I know. And I'm like, I'm spending the rest of like the next 20 minutes probably going, did they, did they just not go look in her room? Like what, what is going on here? Like, right. was she not the in The body's just room? in a rocking chair. In yeah. The like go knock on the That's door. That's interesting. And so that yeah. was, it took me out just a little bit, but. I mean, I literally wrote down the words, doesn't matter, because, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. at one point, and then I was like, well, who's rocking the chair when you see that she's rocking? I mean, it's a great shot, so I don't care. And we find out later. Yeah. Like, And that was the thing. It was like, all these questions I had, I felt like they, they always got answered. Sure. Maybe not as quickly as I wanted them to, but that's fine. Like, I, I think that's good, actually. Yeah. One of the uh, continuing themes of comedy here throughout the, the threads was the character played by James Edmund who plays Claire's father, Mr. Harrison. Now here, I think, is where in a lesser movie, this guy, you wouldn't treat with a comedic hand at all because his daughter's just been murdered in an attic. Our first shot Mm -hmm. that we see of this guy, he gets blasted in the face by a snowball from some kids. (laughs) And he's just waiting outside the college to meet her. Did you notice, man, 
I did a double take because he looks so much like Bud Court in uh, Steve Zizou, The Life uh, Aquatic. Did you? <laughs> that's funny. They could be yeah, twins. No, you're right. Like I'm going to pull a picture at some point and just put them side by side. It's insane. But uh, yeah, hilarious. so imagine that guy from Steve Zizou. If you've seen that, uh, you know the the kid that was in Harold and Maude all grown up, bald glasses, and just mm-hmm. very big, round, sad eyes. I guess I don't know. I wasn't expecting that character to really get much real estate. I guess you know, which yeah. is kind of weird because yeah, he's the father, so he's he's just trying to find his daughter and he's asking a guy who turns out to be like a frat guy and that's their sort of like sister sorority house and blah 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 and he's like well she's maybe over here you know he shows up at the sorority house and uh oh booze mama is like trying to make herself look good and make the girls look you know basically like they don't drink all the time and don't have (laughs) posters of uh you know, like a granny flipping the bird, and then there's like yeah. uh, a poster of uh, two naked people laying in a peace sign. <laughs> All that stuff is it's it's silly. I mean, it's like played to the point of being silly, but it it's funny and it worked well. I mean, she's like just broad enough, I think, to like keep it at that line that he's established, yeah. right? Yeah. And there's a great shot where she's like by herself and like muttering about ah oh, jeez I don't know what this bastard expects of me for Christ's sakes like he's complaining about girls drinking like what do they think they do here you know that's one of the things like I, I saw some videos of like Bob Clark talking about this movie a little bit and how you know feeling like college kids weren't really represented true to life in a lot of movies right you know maybe yeah. like Animal House accepted and I don't remember exactly when that came out but yeah it's like you know what your parents think you're doing at college versus what they were actually doing you know they're drinking from the word go and there's boys over there so it was just like a funny little give and play between those two people and then there's that great shot where she's i think sitting on the stairs cursing up a storm at the cat calling him a bastard and a little prick and all this stuff and then mr harrison just kind of walks up the stairs and pokes it (laughs) like his head is right beside her so it's just the way that that is shot is so good and so funny and like you absolutely like yeah this guy should 100% make a comedy. Like it just makes sense, you know. I don't know. I love that. You know, it's like it's relieving the tension of this movie, but like with with some humor as opposed to just you know a, like a jump scare, like what you're talking about, right? Yeah. Awesome stuff. So, Craig, yeah, you challenged me a little bit in regards to Cure Delay Gone Tomorrow and whether or not mm-hmm. I would notice him the first time he's on screen. I definitely noticed him in the scene where he's at the piano and I, was that the, that's the first time we see him, right? Or no. Uh, I mean, it, it took me a second. Yeah, no, I, I am, I am, uh, I'm deeply ashamed at the moment. It's okay. Because the scene that I thought I saw him in, I am now not a hundred percent sure that that was him. Do you think he was at the house before uh, that? No, I thought he was the one who meets Mr. Harrison oh, right after he gets hit in the I face. I think that's a different guy. I could have almost sworn that was him, but, but they look. But looking at his photo right now, they look a lot alike. If it's they not. do look a lot okay. alike, but you're right. I don't think that was. So yeah. I, I think I was wrong, and I think. But but I challenged you, and I think you passed the challenge. I think. Well, I think and it is yeah, but, but from a distance, man, I never would have guessed it was him. His hair is crazy. Yeah, I mean, he looks no totally different than yeah, yeah 2001. Like, there was something yeah. about his look. This sounds really terrible. That made me think of Planet of the Apes, like the apes, like the original, like Charlton Heston, like back in yeah. The, I don't like there's just something about that haircut it's almost like a it's like a caesar with a lot on the long on the sides 
But man, he is an intense dude in this movie, Craig. He is yeah. very, very different from what we saw in 2001. And I quite enjoyed the experience of it. I like his presence in this movie a lot. Yeah. Another thing I think this movie does well, and like you think about something, uh, I don't know, The Silence of the Lambs is the only thing that kind of comes to mind right off off bat. But uh, like having two villains, like there's something to that, you know? Yeah. And just like two different representations of, of uh, assholery, maybe in this case, sure. and evil. Kirdula is not a bad guy. I mean, not a good guy at all. No. And that, that also helps because then it's like there are people that you're sort of rooting for to get killed, you know? Yeah. But so here's the central conflict between Kirdule and Olivia Hussey, his girlfriend, Jess, which this was another thing that you said I should think about. Turns out she's pregnant. Turns out she does not want to have, does not want to keep the baby. And you're, uh, yeah, that's really interesting given that <laughs> what we now know that she was filming this, what was it, just months after giving yeah. birth to her first child? That must have been an interesting thing to, this interesting scene to do that have day. Have on your mind, yeah. But Kirti Lay is, is extremely disappointed in her. He wants to have this baby. I got the sense that he's a good bit older than her. Right. I don't know if he's like a grad student, maybe. Or yeah, maybe. at least a junior, senior, and uh, very intense. He's a pianist, concert pianist, mm. and uh, mm -hmm. he's got a very important recital that afternoon. He does not like the fact that she chose this moment to bring up this entire conversation, given that he's got this important recital later that afternoon. And yeah. I want to talk about that recital for a second, Craig. <laughs> Because uh, despite the murders in this movie, that was one of the grosser moments of this entire <laughs> film. He looks absolutely disgusting during that performance. He is pissed off yes. and just dripping, dripping with sweat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which is how you're supposed to play the piano. Just you know, covered in sweat. Yeah, You can put yourself into the performance. I'm all for that. But sure. uh, just that and the clothes he was wearing, it just... Uh, Oh, yeah. I was just feeling like if I was one of those faculty members that was sitting there watching him, I'm like, this guy, he just, yeah. I don't, if he needs to graduate today, I'm all for it. Just get him out of this university because I can't. Well, yeah. I, I was going to say, in terms of pianists at conservatories, this can't be the first psycho pianist they've seen. Probably not. I mean, I mean and you know, yeah. we went to a conservatory that had sure. piano students. Maybe we even came across to Cure Delay. Maybe. Mm. Maybe, but he did not get us pregnant, I can tell you that. Ooh. Well, that you know of. Yeah. Bullet dodge. <laughs> but I, I enjoyed that little moment because, again, it's like Olivia Hussey wasn't even there for that. So you're just getting this scene nope. of this guy, and you, know, you kind of wonder how it connects to the story or if it will. And it does, I mean, in a way, yeah. but it just it, it builds a nice sort of palette here and adds to the experience. And then later, mm -hmm. here's a question I had for you, Craigie. Please. Cure Dulé goes back to that piano after, I think, another conversation with Olivia, maybe. <laughs> or, I don't know. He, he's yeah. really pissed. He, like, is, uh, I don't know, what do you have, like a long lamp, like a table lamp of some kind that he was like. I, I thought that was a microphone stand, uh, but yeah, it could be. Right. Yeah, maybe it's a microphone stand, or sometimes they use those just as like a, a music stand, you know, you could. Yeah, the music stand would make more sense. And just yeah. smashing the strings of the piano. And uh, yeah. you informed us that the composer threw some stuff in a piano. <laughs> he didn't just throw it. He tied oh, yeah. some things. 
And uh, I wondered about the coincidence of like that, because, uh, you know, that it makes a very prominent sound when you're striking the strings of the piano, the wires of piano with a microphone stand. And that sound yeah, is echoed good... in the movie. I mean, it's echoed in the score a little bit, right? Yeah. I wonder... Man, that's a really good connection. I didn't even think about yeah, that. I wonder which came first. This is a chicken and egg situation. Yeah. We'll have to find out. But Because, yeah, because this this part of the story is... I don't know. It's a very key type of thing that's, um, I don't know, makes things more interesting. Go ahead. It does, but it could have easily been cut probably. And and that was a thing sure. that was like, well, I wonder, yeah, is this something maybe they added after they figured out they were going to do that for the score? Or if it was something that was like, oh, this was already in here. And yeah, you know, maybe, yeah, like hitting the strings with, with other objects would be cool for the score. I don't Make know. a cool sound. Well, sidebar for a second. I thought what you were going to ask me right now was like, does that piano even belong to him? Uh, it, I'm like, sure it doesn't. I would imagine it's the university. Losing his shit on school property? That doesn't seem like a good idea. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, he had some some psychological issues going on. He does. Now, uh, let's talk about another boyfriend for a second. So Claire had a boyfriend, and uh, yes. I don't remember this gentleman's character's name. I don't remember who played him. I'm going to look real Art Hindle. Oh, that's Art Hindle? That's Art Hindle. Okay. He's the one who goes in and starts yelling at the cops and yeah. everything. Yeah. Yeah, hey, that's Art. I loved his very first entrance. Uh, I think is when he's saying goodnight to, to Clara for the evening when he's at the house and in the opening. He is yeah. uh, as white as white can be, but man, he is rocking a gigantic <laughs> fur coat. And <laughs> Yes, he is. just feels so... And he rocks it throughout. Throughout, yeah. He's a hockey player. Yeah. He plays goalie. And um, oh, fur coat, baby. Okay, so <laughs> I want to ask you about because I, I feel like, yeah, if people have seen this movie, and obviously a lot of people have, it's the little moments, right, that we all kind of enjoy. So here's a little moment that I enjoyed, and I wonder about like if this is something that other people have talked about, I feel certain they have. So there is a, a thread in this movie after Claire has gone missing, and Mr. Harrison realizes that she has gone missing, and Jess and Phil. And the other girls are very concerned. Yes, they've gone to the police station. She's called. It doesn't seem like it was taken seriously. So Claire's boyfriend, Art Hindle, is bursting through the door in his fur coat, yelling at them and wanting this taken seriously. You know, it's coming on the hills of the police finding out that a girl has also gone missing, a 13-year-old girl that's completely... Not connected to the university, the sorority house, or any of that. It's just right. one girl. And they form a search party to go searching in a very snowy park, which I did wonder about that shot. I know you said they had to blow some some foam in, but they have yeah. freaking snowmobiles in, in that one scene there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I was going to say, I feel like that was, that was that some had real to be snow some there. Real snow. I don't know. Yeah. But... They're at the search party. You got Olivia Hussey. You got uh, Phil, uh, Phil, played by Andrea Martin. Uh, Claire's boyfriend, played by Art Handel. They're all there. The policeman is giving them the details of what they need to do. They need to, you know, form a line. They're going to go out looking groups, blah, blah, blah. During that conversation, have you noticed just how enthusiastically Art Handel is rubbing <laughs> Olivia Hussey's shoulder? during? Oh, no. You haven't seen that? Oh, my God. Okay. No, I didn't know. Exactly. I mean, he's he's really rubbing it pretty hard, and that to me was like just thinking again about like what Bob Clark was talking about with like college students. 
there's nothing else suggested in this movie to make you think that Art Hendel, in the moments that his girlfriend has gone missing, would be interested in cheating on her. That he's that right. kind of guy. No, he doesn't seem at all. He yet. doesn't. And yet, <laughs> you know, <laughs> not the, the other gentlemen in this movie of that age don't necessarily have the best reputation. So no. uh, just next time you're watching it, Pay attention to that I scene. Will. I'll see if I can find the quip too, and just put, because like they cut to it twice, and like both times, I'm like, man, he's really comforting. Just working that shoulder, he's yeah. comforting Jess pretty right. intensely. <laughs> uh, yeah. It made me laugh. Laugh. So when we get back to the house, this is when finally I get my relief. They discover Claire's body, and that it was made yes. painfully clear to me that Claire is in the attic and has been <laughs> this whole time. Her body has anyway. Right. Which I guess was she, she was not murdered in the attic, was she? No, he carried her up the up, up that ladder. Just want to make sure. Very strong when you're crazy. Yeah. yeah. Another moment I thought was handled really, really well. So, again, this damn cat I think is the impetus for Mrs. Mack to go looking up in the attic because she hears. Yes. What was that cat's name? Jesus. Blanking. Oh shit. He said it eight thousand oh, times. Anyway. Yeah. Claude is Claude. Sorry. Claude. Yep. So what, what else would you name a cat? Claude Balls. <laughs> Claude Balls. <laughs> wow. Uh, I know. Dead That's jokes. Nice. She goes looking for the cat. She goes up in the attic. That's It's not easy to get up in the attic. That ladder goes straight up. She, as we have established, is a raging alcoholic. So, yeah. I mean, she's at least 40% lit all the time. So, oh, her yeah, step is yeah. not great. She gets up there. It's dark. Not sure she hears the cat. She sees the body. We see her eyes go wide. I'm like waiting for the scream. We've already seen right. that the killer's there hiding. He's got some freaking hook on a pulley. It looks awful. Yeah. Not going to be a like good... Like everyone has in their attic. Yeah. She doesn't scream. Instead, yeah. like her eyes go to the side... And that to me was like I almost laughed. Like there's a like the way she plays that is so good because like it it is just that line of like, well she's not gonna scream. And then wait a second, is she about laughing? But no, she sees that there's somebody else in there. And then boom, yeah, murder. And that like that, that again like just hook in the face from beat to beat. Yeah, like that. It's intense. Like I I, I didn't yeah. know what the hell he was gonna do with that hook, but I wasn't expecting it to go exactly like that. And it's just good. And and just to clarify, that is now technically our third murder of the movie, but only the second one in the house. Is that right? Well, because we find out that the missing 13-year-old girl has been killed, right? Or is that the one you're thinking of? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, we, we, we find that out. And that was pretty effective, too. You never see the girl. You just see the people who see her and their reaction. And it's and very simple. Yeah. But it just it kind of raises those, like... Like, is, is this the danger we're in? Like, and we don't, it's not even expressly said that, like, the guy who's killing people in the sorority house is the guy who did yeah, this. Yeah, and I don't even think, is that ever confirmed? Uh, neither do I. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think Which so. Which is great. And yeah, I, I don't think it's, like, 100% parallel action between the attic scene and the death of Mrs. Mack and the discovery of the 13-year-old girl. No. But they're right on, the, uh, on top of each other, those scenes. And, yeah, like, that... <laughs> It's just basically like you're seeing the point of view from the body almost in the park. 
yeah. these people walking yeah. up to camera and like all your main characters. And like most importantly, I think actually is Mr. Harrison seeing that, you know, because the girl's mom yeah. is established and she gets her moment too, but we don't really know anything about her. And so, like, I don't know, just like when Mr. Harrison, that guy, that poor guy that looks like Bud Court, uh, just his reaction to the, knowing that that body is there and what that could mean to his eyes is great. Like, it's just, it's really, yeah. really powerful and done done so well. It's kind of after this then that, I don't know, I feel like that's maybe like midpoint, right? Like, that's, the, the Probably, tables yeah. turn pretty distinctly from here on out because uh, the, you, you, your next moments with Cure Lay. And Jess, like, he's saying he's quitting the conservatory. They're going to get married. And, like, I even, like, had a moment where I was like, well, Jesus, he's not really giving her an option in any of this, is he? Yeah. And she immediately is like, yeah, no, I'm not doing that. Like, you can't, you're not, you're telling me what I'm going to do. And I told you all along, like, I, we had plans, and I'm not changing those plans. And it's just like she's putting her foot down, and it gets real intense with uh, him saying, you know, you cannot get an abortion or you'll be very, very sorry. Yeah. It's an intense thing. It, it's interesting. It's, I, I don't know, I just expected, like, okay, as a college guy, like, he, he would either be relieved that she doesn't want to keep the baby or the one talking her into getting rid of it, you know? Sure. I feel like I have a really bad impression of college dudes. I was one, so <laughs> But uh, all that stuff is happening. You, I mean, we'll have to talk about the detectives at, at a certain point, but... <laughs> Yeah, they're kind of trying to figure out what's going on here. They've got this guy Nash, who's sort of like working the desk, who's a bit of a simpleton, if you will. You've got mm-hmm. Margot Kidder, who has come in and said that the sort of like calling code for the sorority was fellatio and spelled it out for him. The word fellatio, oh, that's great. It's great, like he, yeah. he didn't seem to know what she was talking about at all. It's also around this time, I think, that Barb is drunk. She's having a conversation with Phil about the fact that she thinks Claire's dead, right? Or or something to that. Or I can't remember like yeah. what she was saying that kind of escalated this argument where Phil's basically telling her, just go to bed, you're drunk. Yeah. Um, but she does. Right. And she's up there for a while. And, man, we get that moment where, again, I had the question earlier. It was like that great shot of Claire's body in the rocking chair moving, bag on her head. It's like, well, how's this rocking chair moving by itself? You know, this dead body. Yeah. Well, we find out, and, like, the killer's up there rocking the chair himself, and, like, he's put this creepy-ass doll in her arms, and he's just, it's all POV shot. He's muttering nonsense that sounds, uh, it, like, that is creepy. Like, And I feel like, in 20 years, that's still going to be creepy. Like, it, it, sure. yeah. I mean, we're talking about a movie here that's what? What did we say? Math? 44 years old almost? Yeah, 44. Crazy. Uh, holds yeah. up. Holds Definitely. up. And, spoiler, Margot Kidder dies. I kind of knew she mm-hmm. had to die. But there's part of me, <laughs> I don't know, maybe it's just because it's Margot Kidder. Like, I wanted her to get yeah. out of this. But man, that death is good. Holy cow. It's yeah, it's great. It's shot really well. None of these are gratuitously violent. Like they're all kind of stylish and tense. And and I think the other kind of cool thing is like, yeah, you don't 
the murders are not necessarily telegraphed as to like who's going to die when or who the next person is and all. I mean, you, you kind of imagine that when Barb goes upstairs by herself, like that's probably going to be it, but, but it doesn't happen immediately. It doesn't happen yeah. immediately. It takes some time. Yeah. And in fact, I think yeah. Mrs. Mack dies before Barb, right? Uh, and she's, yes. she's the one that's, you know, Barb's already gone to bed at that point. Yeah, if you saw the episode artwork for part one, the Barb death, Margaret Kidder, that's where those carolers, those young cherub faces yeah. come into play. And again, you get the distraction for Jess, who goes to the door to listen to the carolers. Yeah. There's a great misdirect prior to that where I think Jess is upstairs. Or was that Jess or Phil? But they hear a scream, and it's Barb having an asthma attack because she thinks she's had a nightmare yeah. when, in fact, no, that, that, that killer was in her room. And yeah. she's got her inhaler on the pillow, and like Jess comes in and immediately helps her as if she's probably done that before. And I thought that was sure. a nice little touch, too. You know, it's like... Yeah. It's just another like interesting way to explain the dynamic between these two people when there doesn't really even need to be a dynamic between those two people. But it's so much better that you right. have one, right? In anything else, yeah. yeah, I don't feel like you would have these dynamics. Yeah. And like that's that is um really what makes the movie mm-hmm. special. And and let me back up one second and forgive me if you did say this. I'm on a lot of night quill right now. Oh, but, sweet. Uh, oh, I feel great. Now the police by this point, the police have bugged the telephone in the house. Right. So they went, they, they got the obscene phone calls. Jess, I think, files an official report. And so they have a guy come in and, and bug the telephone. Yep. So they're waiting for the call to come in. And when the call comes in, the detective's going to be on the line. And there's going to be a guy at the telephone company, which is, for my money, some of the best sequences I've ever seen of, of just some shit you wouldn't even imagine was really a thing. Like, it's, yeah. it's so old-fashioned. You could never do that again. Uh, and I love that part of it. But but of the point being, phone is bugged. So the next time the guy calls, everybody's gonna be on the line, and you know to see what uh, what happens. So Sean, yes, Barb is murdered. Kids are singing. What happens at the end of the kids singing? Gosh, I don't know. Okay, you answer that, and then I'll talk about the death because I don't know. I'm not sure if I'm thinking of. I was gonna say that wasn't very fair of me to say that. Okay. Well, I liked it as a touch, which was these kids are out there singing and then this lady comes up and she's like, get these kids in the car, get these kids right. in the car. Yes. You know, they just found this girl murdered over there and it's like, you know, hey, Olivia Hussey, like, be careful, you know, like it's it's something bad's happening, you know, that kind of thing. And it's just another little twist. I forgot a little, about uh, that. Yeah. It's a nice moment. Yeah. Nice little touch. Yeah. Now I just I was just so taken by the death itself. I mean that uh, that parallel action between those two things and those two settings yeah. is so good. And then yeah, like it, just the way it's shot, it's like it's all kind of like it's like Hitchcock Psycho level close ups, but not into anywhere infinite number of shots degree that are, is in that little shower sequence in Psycho. But right, it's, right, it's right, really well. And like there's glass involved and so you're yeah. you're like shooting through glass at times just just good i mean it just looks great yeah. just a nice sequence and it then does. yeah that, those carolers i forgot about that too and then you know you also get the thing it's not long after that i don't know if it's in direct that same sequence but you've got uh 
the two guys who were, I don't know if they're part of the search party, but they show up at the house and they're like yokels and, and like, they're like, oh, uh, Phil and Jess are actually like even just kind of laughing because they're like being super nice about, well, you really ought to shut your doors and lock your doors and windows and make sure everything's locked. You know, we, this thing, we're keeping things safe tonight or whatever. Yeah. And it's just like, <laughs> they're just like kind of laughing about it. But just again, just and like, I- uh, I don't know. You do sort of get a feel for whatever town this is. It's like a small college town, you know, which is, uh, yeah. I don't know, just kind of helps keep it contained, I guess. Yeah. Definitely going to get to the phone stuff because I loved it. I like the sort of specificity of it and the fact that they they choose that to sort of be the thing that they play kind of as real and as supposed to be yeah. grounded. and damn it, she's got to keep that call on the line for, you know, more than 10 seconds, like 20 seconds or longer. I can't remember back then. Something like that, yeah. So that they can trace it. And tracing it in this instance involves this guy, Graham, played by Les Carlson, who was great. Yeah. Physically walking through some dungeon cavern of weird phone equipment and these these things that are moving up and down i guess each time a line is answered and like trying to pinpoint which one it is and i mean that is as best of a technical description as i could give you but you understand exactly what he's doing and you're also because you've seen other horror movies waiting for the moment to find out that the call is coming from inside the house right and i have to wonder if you yeah if you saw this in 74 like how primed you were for that to be what it was. Whereas like, I just feel like now, like, yeah, it's coming from inside the house. But like, come on. I still felt like it worked really well. And oh, like, yeah. because it, it didn't happen immediately. And even like the way it almost is played as if they know you're expecting that. So when you, well, yeah, here, here's, a, here's how it unfolds, which is what I thought was nice. So Nash the freaking Don Knotts policeman that, that, you know, has been the butt of a joke off and on throughout this thing. He's the one that is ultimately tasked with delivering the information to Olivia Hussey. But what he's specifically told by the detective or lieutenant played by John Saxon, do not tell her that this guy is in her, in the house. Just tell her to get out, whatever she has to do, get her out, you know, because he still thinks yeah. there's a, a parked policeman out front. I yeah. liked all of that because that's some good insight, actually, to the police work. They probably would would not want her to know that the guy is inside there because yeah. then, well, because of what she ultimately does. But when Nash right. calls, he's he's all business. And, like, he gets that little moment to redeem himself as a character and not just be a complete idiot. Like, he's... Telling her, I, you do not ask me any questions. You need to leave right now. Go outside. Go to the policeman. And, of course, she's like, why? But what about, you know, my friends are upstairs. I can't just leave. He's like, you can't. And, like, finally, he's just like, and I feel like that was so human, like, uh, to do what he did. It's like, yeah, it, it's in inside. It's happening. For, he's inside. You've got to get out. And even to the point where he... He does specifically say, do not go up the stairs. And like, that's like such a yes moment for an audience, right? Because, you know, yeah. I mean, that's the thing that they, that's entirely what they talk about and scream is like those horror moments. And like, here's a guy yeah. saying exactly what the audience is thinking. And yet, in this instance, you still understand why she does that. You know, it's like, yeah. I, that, it's a really tough thing for a person to be faced with knowing that, 
you well thinking that you've got friends up there and she screams for them and like wants them to answer her and when they don't like she knows okay uh, i'm probably yeah. the only one left here and that's that's a great build it worked so well you've got this sort of like finish line sequence already happening where the lieutenant is off kind of investigating Kier Dulay because he's also listened into one of those phone calls between Kier Dulay and Jess and found out about the pregnancy and all that. And he's kind of going to look into him, but that's when he finds out that the guy is inside the house. So he's racing to get back over there, finds out the yeah. guy parked out front is dead already. I liked all this sequence. You know, it, it's tough because you got a final girl, right? Mm-hmm. And you're waiting for her to kill the bad guy. Uh, how's she yeah. going to get out of there? And you get the cliche of going into the basement because that's the only place left to go, right? Can't get out of the house. Yeah. She's just locked all the doors and the windows, locked herself in. She grabs the fire poker. She's trying to get out of there. Man, that sequence is so good because <laughs> she's yeah. downstairs and I'm waiting for this guy who she's just beat to the door and locked him out of the basement door to bust that door open, you know? Uh, I feel like that's what, you know, the ax is going to come through something, right? Yeah. No, the way scarier thing to do is keep her in that basement and there are frosted windows down there and then there you see the legs walking around. Was that a door that he ultimately comes to? I think so, right? I guess so. Yeah, it, it could yeah. have been a window. but he, like busts the window out though, doesn't Yeah, it's yeah. either a door with a window in it or just a, a window to the bottom part of the basement. And man, what a great decision to have that glass be frosted because it takes... Yeah like four wipes for him to like really reveal his face and it's cure delay. And I mean, I don't know, Craig, I mean, can you recall back to seeing this and wondering if at that point, were you convinced he was the killer or not? Not never. Never. Okay. Cause I I don't know. I wasn't, I wasn't completely sure. I gotta say I was not a hundred percent sure if it was him or not. Which is great. I mean, Fair that's enough. what the the movie I, I think kind of wants you to to at least sure. question. And so he approaches her, and she's hiding, you know. And he's like, he's not talking at all in the same voice that we've heard this killer just scream and and like this awful voice. Right. You know, you're wondering, is he capable of that? Is he, you know, split personality here? Like, what is this thing? And then we don't see the death uh that was a nope. really nice choice what we find yeah. them is is when the, the cops come into the house and there she is shell-shocked and he's basically dead in her lap bleeding yeah oh man yeah i mean it's not not at all what i expect yeah you know now uh here's my my one nitpick of the policeman as human beings i don't <laughs> I love yeah. the ending of this movie. I love the very ending of it. I, I have a hard time imagining a situation where they would not remove Jess from the scene of this crime uh, and get her out of there and take her to a hospital. Uh, instead, she's given a sedative from a doctor. She is put in a bed right there in that very sorority yeah. house. And we know there are still bodies in this house. And they're wheeling them out of there. And poor Mr. Harrison. Poor, poor Mr. Harrison. I, I, you know, at this point, he knows that his daughter has been killed and he faints. And so the doctor yeah. and the policeman have to attend to him. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, man, is the real killer going to come out and kill her? 
of what's going right. to happen here. And instead, we just kind of leave her in that bed and you pull out. And uh is But you pull out through the through the attic through window. The attic window where all this shit has happened. Was the Claire wasn't still up there, was she? Yeah, so was she? So it's like you you've got her in the bed. You have this great sort of Robert Altman like scene yeah. where you're you're focused on Jess in the bed, but it's wide enough where you see everybody around and there are cops walking all over the place. And slowly, yeah, these guys just get pulled off in different directions and then she's alone. And then I think what the shot is 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 it it cuts to the attic and it's Mrs. Mack with the hook through her head. Okay. Right? And then it backs up past Claire and out the window. And then it pulls right. out slowly from the house. And there's like no there's just natural sound. You see a cop that's like smoking on the on the stoop down there. And otherwise it's just like quiet and the credits start rolling. And like I love you could still oh, see man. Claire's face in the And window. then I this is what I was expecting to happen, okay? Yeah. The phone rings, right? Because that's your yeah. an, that's your answer that this is not Cure Dulay doing this killing, right? Which yeah. again, it did it in a way that satisfied that a- expectation without making me mm-hmm. pissed off because it, it took so long for the phone to ring. Right? I kind of thought, yeah. okay, we're seeing her in bed. The phone's going to ring after these people just left, and we're, we'll cut to black, right? But no, yeah. I mean that pullout is so good <laughs> to see the house and to yeah. see. You're right. It's those bodies are still up in the attic. I, they still don't even know about that. I think it's it's Barb, yeah. Margot Kidder, and uh, Andrea Martin. It's it's their bodies that got pulled out. Right. Man, really, really good, great ending, uh, and that you know that makes a movie. Yeah. So totally. obviously. I, I thought this was great. I mean, I just thought it, it held up super duper well. There were a couple little moments I just want to mention real quickly that made me laugh and that were a great color. One is the guy who I think is Phil's boyfriend, who is a large dude who's kind of balding but still has like this sort of white guy afro thing going on from the 70s, yeah. who at one point is <laughs> he's tasked to play Santa Claus for a group of yeah. kids. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know if this is just some outreach thing that the sorority is doing. And uh, man, he is cursing up a storm in front of those kids. I mean, it's just like the seeds of bad Santa right there in that scene. And then in that same sequence, there's a point where Margot Kidder is giving a kid champagne, I think. (laughs) It's just, yeah. What is wrong with these people? They are just horrible influences. Totally wrong. But I loved it. I mean, it was a nice little, I mean, it's like sort of like Bad News Bears kind of stuff. Um, Yeah. But uh, I liked all of that. Can we talk for two seconds about Olivia Hussey's accent? Yes. So it, it's never established that she's not from America, right? No. She sure doesn't sound like... I mean, it's overly pronounced almost... It's not British, but it's almost British. Right. It sounds like she's... It's, yeah, it kind of sounds like she's wrestling with a British accent, like trying not to not to sound too British. I mean, she's born in Argentina right. to an Argentinian and, and a British person. Yeah, I was just kind of expecting at some point though they would say, "Oh, she's sort of like a studying abroad," or you know, like uh, right. that kind of thing. But man, uh, you know, who she reminds me of in this movie is uh, I've never seen Catherine Zeta-Jones at that age, but I was like, "Oh, oh man, man, that's, that's right." Like, even just yeah. the voice, I was like, "That's," and like her totally. hair. This is going to sound so lame, 
Like it looks like yeah. sh- straight up shampoo commercial throughout this entire movie. Like it is yeah. like the most amazing yeah. thing. It's in good shape. I mean, you know when I'm noticing it, it's amazing hair. Like she's got some straight up awesome <laughs> hair going on. So uh, on that note, I think that's all I'll say yeah. about that. Uh, anything else you want to add to this movie that you've seen a dozen times? Well, yeah. I mean, so the the weakest part for me, you were talking about. I mean, it, it's fine now. Like I let it go. But you were talking about in Black Panther, you didn't like some of the line readings and i feel like olivia hussey at the beginning of this movie gets a call and i think it's a call from the moaner Uh right and i mean she picks up the phone she's like hello who is this who and she just starts freaking out and you're like what's what (laughs) like it, it doesn't none of it seems natural in the least and so like that always bugged me it seems like maybe she's even adr'd a little bit or something that could be even in the moment when Claire gets killed, which I love how they did that, but there's like, who is it? Who is it? I mean, I think she even says like, who yeah. is it? Three or four times. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know that like even just that, that choice of wording. I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know if I would say that in that circumstance. Yeah. It sounds stupid, but anyway, yeah. Just so yeah. nitpicky. God. No, yeah. totally. Totally. And uh, I mean, the other thing that really sticks out to me now and it's very much, you know, the the times that we're in, kind of uh, broadening all of our, uh, you know, perspectives. But this is a movie, at least in my opinion, where you have three very dangerous characters on the loose. Peter's one of them. Billy, the guy who's killing people, is one of them. And whoever killed the girl in the park is one yeah. of them. It's just interesting that, like, that's never... That's not something anyone wrestles with in the movie. Yeah. It's it's just what's happening, and and it makes the world seem very uh, scary. I feel like especially now, you know, just just in terms of of I don't know being a little more uh, enlightened about the dangers that women generally face. Like this feels like such a progressive movie. Oh, right it now. I mean, I was just gonna say it's like, and and then you've got all these women characters that feel real and they feel different. Yeah, none yeah. of them seem like weak wallflowers, you know. Yeah, but it didn't seem like Bob Clark was aiming no, for that. No, it just came out like naturally. it didn't. Like he's never like I wanted to make a movie about you know, at all. But he just did. He just see this and feel this and yeah. like you know Peter. Peter could be just as dangerous as Billy and you know like all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, it is. I mean, I've got such a limited knowledge of this genre, but it is interesting to think about like if if this is some of the origins of the slasher film, and then you got Halloween, and then yeah, like. Like what happens to the lady characters? You know, in the middle, like uh, just oh yeah, how quickly it just turned into like uh, let's kill all the women in, in new sort of like gross ways. I do feel like that's that's so, so interesting to me. Is yeah, you have this, you know, that this is a faceless killer. Uh, Halloween is a faceless yeah. killer. You know, Jason's a faceless killer. Um, but yeah, Halloween and this good movies. You can appreciate them on several levels. I love the Friday 13th movies, but it it really does feel like that's when they figured out all they need is a guy in a mask. Everybody else is expendable. And the more they went in that direction, the more it just became true. And like, then it was like the movies about Jason, but it's not like, I don't know. It's, 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 it's clear how those movies kept (laughs) sort of getting harder and harder and worse and worse to do in a good way, because it's just like, he's a character. He's the main character but there's nothing to him mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. And that's who you're following. You yeah. know, like that's that's why you're there. So, yeah, it's kind of Yeah. Funny. And, but I mean, I think those movies are 
they can be fun, but it's uh, just on a different sure. level. And like this is fun and enjoyable, but also uh, kind yeah. of. And I mean, geez, Louise, I don't even think we see. There's not like a any moment where you actually see this this killer's body. I mean, I think you see his hands and his like shins yeah. down see, at one point, and that's like it. Yeah, yeah, like that. Well, there, there's a great sequence where he comes down the stairs, yeah. chasing after Olivia Hussey at the end. I mean, he comes all the way down the stairs and you never see him. You see his hand reach out and grab her hair. And like all that action, to me anyway, all that action works so well. Like none of that feels... Is that when he's like all screaming and grunting? and Yeah. He's like, it's almost like all the voices are going on at once. But I mean, yeah, it's like, it's like, how do you get that character to chase her through a room? Without seeing her, yeah. And you never see him. And he's he's that close. He's close enough to grab her and you never yeah. see him. Like you don't feel like you ever see him. Pretty cool. impressive. I like it. Yeah. Now, I, you know, we talked briefly before this that we, neither one of us got to the remake in 2006. Yeah. Uh, it's not readily streaming in an easy way. You can rent it, but I just didn't have the time and inclination. But right. yeah, I checked out the trailer online and feel it looks like it feels so different. I watched interestingly, oh, yeah. they had three alternate endings for this movie. And so I have no clue how it actually ends. <laughs> but uh you can find this on YouTube. The first yeah. one in this clip absolute homage to that pullout. And I think in a in an yeah. interesting way in a way that actually made the stuff prior to it in that scene seem a lot better. And uh, yeah, and I guess, and some of the comments I saw were just like, oh, God, they should have used that one. They should have used that one. Yeah. And then there were two others that were very sort of, it felt like modern kind of horror, like almost shock kind of stuff going on. And yeah. one specifically, you absolutely see the killer. And, I wondered yeah. about that, and the reason I, I watched those, other than just not watching any of the rest of the movie, I there's some other stuff I just was checking out when I was editing the last one uh, that was, I think it was some sort of making of uh, the original Black Christmas, or just a documentary about it, and I don't know if that's on the Blu-ray or not, but Bob Clark was talking about knowing that the ambiguity of this ending in 1974 and who exactly this killer was, was something that in the remake that uh, he felt certain they would have to answer. And I didn't get a good impression of how he felt about that. And I also was able to watch just a little bit of, there's a, like a 30 minute behind the scenes uh, of the 2006 version. And sure enough, there's Bob Clark on set and being introduced and talked about. And so I don't know how heavily he was involved in that remake, but he at least was present for it. And so yeah, it'd be kind of sure. interesting to see some of the differences uh, between the two. I think the guy that did it uh, was a longtime X Files guy, and um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Well, he did Final Destination, yeah, Final Destination, which uh, I still contend is a pretty entertaining. Yeah, I know movie. you're a fan. Um, so I don't know. I, yeah, I, 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 I still would like so. to see it just to see the differences. But um, I don't. That trailer didn't didn't make me optimistic no. for the same kind of vibe. It's hard to capture that lightning in a bottle. No. Yeah. And it's it's interesting, you know. It's it's not a it's not a shabby cast. No. You know, they they didn't just go for like a bunch of nobodies and and put them in right. there. But there is, I mean, it it it, it yeah, it, it doesn't it doesn't feel like it shares any DNA with the original movie. Like it's 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 going to be a scream type yeah. movie, you know, at Christmas. And I mean, you know, 
I mean, that's that's what was selling tickets at the time. So. Yeah. I do love Mary Elizabeth yeah. Winstead. She's in it. Um, Me too. Pilgrim and others. Yeah. So if great. you've seen that and you have an opinion one way or another on whether we should check it out, let us know. We'd appreciate it. And uh, other than that, man, have a, a great new year and check on the Facebook page and everything. And we'll definitely try to get the word out there about uh, when we're coming back with Season Trace, the third oh, reckoning. Oh, big Season Trace. Yeah, the trilogy will be complete. And then we'll probably keep yeah. going. Uh, yeah, and if you if oh, you got yeah. some movies you want us to watch, let us know. Otherwise, Craig, any last words? Yes, Sean. I wanted to say Merry Christmas to all, and to all, a good fright. Ooh, we gotta leave it on that. Bye. 